Looking to sound like you know what's going on in the world? Social strategy, comedy, and other funny stuff? Well, join the club and settle in for the Jeff Dawaskin Show. It's not the podcast we deserve, but the podcast we all need with your host, Jeff Dawaskin. Thank you for that amazing introduction and welcome everyone to episode nine of the Jeff Duoskin show. As always, I'm Jeff Duoskin. And I'm still psyched about last week's episode. My friends Ron and Howard joined me with a segment called Crossing the Streams. We went over some great TV streaming ideas. Tons of people shared some ideas with us on the social medias, and uh, we're going to bring them back. So I just signed them up, so we're going to bring them back in the future, and we're going to do another segment. That's something we can all look forward to. Another thing that's pretty cool in the Twitter world, you can now schedule tweets right from the place where you actually tweet from. So you're going to tweet, and you're like, hey, I don't want to tweet this right now. I want to tweet this in six minutes, or I want to tweet this tomorrow at 4.53. You can do that now. It's kind of cool. Kind of cool. You don't need the buffer, Hootsuite, or TweetDeck anymore. You can do it right from Twitter. I don't know what took them so long to incorporate this feature, but it's there. The only issue I had with it, I thought it was a little difficult to figure out after you scheduled it, how to delete it. To get back to it, you just go into the tweets, and there was an unscheduled tweet link and you click on that and all the ones you had scheduled are there and you can make edits to them which is great but there was no clear way to delete it you kind of had to remove it and then there was a clear so you got to play with it but definitely check it out it's totally worth it very cool feature that twitter just added I would be remiss not to mention our sponsor today. The sponsors are what make this all possible. This week's sponsor books. You know books. We're on your shelf, so when people come to the house, they think you're smart. Books. You don't have to read us. Just let us sit here. Well, (laughs) definitely get some books, people. Uh, Definitely. I think that's a good idea. They come in a variety of different hardback, paperback. There's really no reason not to buy a book. So I have a great interview coming up. I'm really excited for you guys to hear this. When you do get to do comedy like I do and many people, you get to work with lots of famous, interesting, great people. And if you're lucky, you maintain a connection and you stay in touch over the years. And one of those people I've had the fortune of staying in touch with is Alan Muskovitz. He was a Detroit radio legend for over 18 years. And I'm excited to share our conversation with you. Here we go. All right. We're here with Detroit radio legend, Big Al Muscovitz. Mm. Uh, wow. A legend, how are you, Big a, Al? A legend in my own mind. I'm really well. Thank you, Jeff Kowalskin. Thank you for having me. So for those of you who don't know, Big Al was one of Purton's people. That's of Dick Purton and Purton's people that was on for decades. Big Al was an integral part of it for 18 years, Detroit Morning Radio. I'm still tired. Your original, the name on the show was Muscovito, though, not Muscovito. Yes. <laughs> yes. I worked part-time for Dick. Before he went to WMC, I worked at Q95 with Dick on a part-time basis. When he moved over to WMC, he, I, I was offered a full-time gig, which was, you know, for me, it was a, a dream come true. But he wanted to create a character around me that I could talk 
on the air, not just me. And Dick liked the edginess of like an out east comedian kind of thing. So he kept my name to a certain extent, but he called me Big Al Muscovito. And I ended up talking like that, you know, it's almost like Jerry Lewis. And I talked like that until it wore off. <laughs> uh, just naturally, I ended up becoming just me. But I was always Big Al Muscovito, but my real name is Alan Joel Muscovy. And Harry Belafani introduced me, for you young listeners, he's a well-known singer, introduced me at the Opera House uh, one year when I performed with him as uh, Alan Muscovitz, who's, he said, Big Al Muscovito, he's Italian by morning and Jewish by night, which was the absolute truth. You do voices. You just you just yeah. did uh, Jerry Lewis a second ago. I, I talk like a Jerry. I, interview, I uh, had the privilege of interviewing him on my birthday one year at the Townsend Hotel. I said to him, he had just, you know, he got married again and he had a little kid and he was older. And I said, you know, you have a little kid again who may not know about your work. So when your little girl's around, you go, hello, there, lady, how are you? And and he looked at me uh, like you might think he might look at me. <laughs> but, but I got it in, so. That'd be amazing. What yeah. did You do a lot of voice. You're you're known for your voices. Well, you do I, Regis, Regis Philbin? I do Regis Philbin. Matter of fact, I got a quick story, if you don't mind, Jeff Wasket, about Regis Philbin. Uh, Regis Philbin came to Andiamo Celebrity Showroom in uh, Warren, Michigan, great Joe Vacari location. And he was there, and we interviewed Regis on the air on WMC, and we said we were going to be at the show. So I did Regis uh, Philbin on the air with Regis Philbin, and this was on a Friday. And so we, Dick and I, and his wife Gail, um, and my wife, uh, we went to see the show and a few other folks. And on Monday, just on a lark, I taped Regis and Kathy Lee, right? Actually, it wasn't Kathy Lee. It was um, Kelly, Kelly Ripa. So it was Kelly Ripa and Regis. And sure enough, he mentions me on his show on ABC. He says, you know, I was in Detroit over the weekend, and there's this guy named Big Al, and he thinks he can impersonate me. And so he made a shtick about that. I couldn't believe it. I was thrilled beyond words. That is the greatest feeling in the world. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was just, and I had ended up creating characters on the air that Regis Philbin had brothers and their names were, I think it was, I'm Regis. This is my brother out Regis. And this is my other brother egregious. And, and we all talked like this at the same time. It was, it was, it was funny at the time. Delve into the creative process here for a second. Yep. So the show is Monday through Friday, but you're you're planning and writing nonstop. Nonstop. Non not seven days a week. Absolutely. So seven days a week for eighteen years. Mm-hmm. You're how, what's the creative process? Like how do you how do you come up with all these ideas and you know get them passed and ready and prepped and did you collaborate? Yeah. Well, like. Um, like Dick would would explain to people that we, you know, we our comedy was ripped from the headlines. I kind of describe it as a sort of Saturday Night Live of the air, and what what that means is you're pulling topics from current events and also just covering all kinds of material in between. But you know, a lot of our show was dictated by what was going on in the world, and we had a lot. You know, Gene Taylor may rest in peace, our producer and writer, and Jackie Purton who joined and took. You know, you don't take Gene Taylor's place, but Jackie did in her own right, was spectacular. Both Jackie and I learned so much from Gene and followed his template for writing scripts, but we would all go our separate ways and pull from the headlines and tell Dick certain topics, or Dick would tell us certain topics, and while it was a collaborative effort, we all kind of went in our own direction when it came to the writing, but we were always in contact about what's going on and what we should be addressing on the show. Dick Burton at the time was one of the biggest 
shows in Detroit. Oh yeah. And it was known throughout the entire country. I know comedians that would tour and come here and being on the Dick Purton show was a huge deal. It it was. Yes, he was. And that's why I, I kind of call him the Johnny Carson of radio because we had comedians in many, many weeks on Thursdays or Fridays who were promoting their events, whether it was at Mark Ridley's comedy club or other comedy clubs, Ann Arbor Showcase, you know, the comedians would love it because they showcase their talent. And the great thing about Dick Purton was, and it was just like Johnny Carson, he let the comedians be funny. He didn't try to interject with his own brand of humor. He wanted the comedians to be funny. And his thing with every comedian that walked in the studio, I don't care how well-known or unknown, is he would, if they started saying something funny before we were on the air, he'd say, ah, save it for the air. He didn't want good humor wasted on commercial breaks. So that was just part of the art and genius of what he did. But believe me, comedians loved him for that. They let him be funny. I you know, hear many folks who go on other shows that say, you know, they didn't give me a chance to do my thing. They were trying to out funny me. The way we met was at a Dick Curtin fundraiser. Yep. And one of the things at that fundraiser that was notable was, uh, besides me uh, being hilarious. <laughs> well, you were. Was, uh, that was Tim Allen. Well, wait Tim a minute. Allen. Wait, Let me, can I, may I interrupt the host for a moment? Sure. You skipped a major thing, and that is that you forgot to mention that you were the winner of our, um, what did we call it? Uh, what was the name of the contest? Uh, Best New Voices of Detroit or something. Something like that, like that yeah. And you, <laughs> and you won, and you were spectacular, and you had sent us a CD, and the material was A+. And we uh, got a bunch of CDs in. We can explain later what a CD is. And cassettes, too, young folks. And you were by far and away the best. And that gave you to be the kind of other headliner for us that night for the Galperton Ovarian Cancer Research Fund, which was at a sold-out packed Royal Oak Music Theater. And there was a very special guest that evening, and you were about to tell that story. Yes, but I will say, as you brought up, Big Al yanked me from mm-hmm. obscurity. There you go. Uh, just a little boy sends in a CD. Yeah. Big Al listens to it in his car back when cars had CD players. Right. And it was, that was tremendous. But but it was a great show. And Kathleen Madigan was there. The best. And uh, Greg Warren and uh, Dick Purton was there. And you were there. And Tim Allen. It was Tim Allen's big return to comedy. And it really was. That's no kidding. He, it was the first time he, I think he was doing stand-up in years. I think he hadn't done it in forever. Yeah. I was hanging with him. Oh, Mike Costa from The Daily Show was there. Yeah. And I remember me and Mike, and we were talking to Tim Allen backstage, and then Mike just disappears. And uh, later I said to him, I said, Mike, wh- why did you walk away? He's like, Jeff, didn't you realize Tim was just doing material on us? And I'm like... <laughs> What? And then he's like, later, Tim's on stage. And sure enough, there's our conversation. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You were, you didn't realize you were his, you were the, uh, his test case. My big frustration was later. I, I didn't realize when I was standing there. And later I realized, I'm like, oh my God, I was standing with Buzz Lightyear. I know. <laughs> told, well, that would have been great for your kids, me. right? I mean, your kids would have been thrilled. Yeah, I would have brought, if I had remembered, I would have brought my uh, DVDs A picture or something. Or something. Yeah, anything he would have signed. Instead, I asked him about Galaxy Quest, if he was going to ever make a sequel to that. And it's it's one of the best movies ever. Yep. And he said it was all caught up in legal. The thing I remember most about that night about Tim Allen is that we were, you know, we instructed all the comedians to keep it clean and Tim included. And as soon as Tim got out there, there was a few words being dropped. And I remember 
his parents were in the audience. I was just thinking what it what it, what it was. I think his I know for sure his mom was there, but I'm I'm not sure about his dad. But that was so funny because we had had that conversation, and then boom, there he went. So, so speaking of which, yeah. So there were four of us there, nobodies, open micers, and we did the few minutes up front. Mm-hmm. Then uh, that's I won the contest. You guys sent me to Cancun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you. You're and, welcome. Uh, but then after the show was over, us little people were asked to uh, to leave. And while you guys did the press shoot right. on the stage. And what was awesome about that was we're leaving. And when you're leaving a show and you guys were all up there, everyone's yeah. coming up to us. And one of the people that came up to me, was, which is to this day, one of the greatest things ever, was Tim Allen's mom. And Tim Allen's mom comes up to me and she's like, you were great. Oh my God. Myself, oh my God. Tim Allen's mom thinks I'm amazing. And it was like, because it was, to me, there was no better compliment you could oh get. Oh my God. I, I had not known that before and I've known you for a long time, but that is spectacular. That is a great, she probably enjoyed you better than her son. She wouldn't admit it. She she wanted to admit it. She wanted, you could tell in her eyes. She could tell in her eyes. She held back. <laughs> that is a wonderful, wonderful story. That was a, a highlight. It was definitely a highlight. Oh, I found that I've always been the uh, comedian's mom's favorite. <laughs> well, that means... <laughs> I can't tell you how many comedians come up to me and go, you are my mom's favorite. It drives yeah. me crazy. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's like people come up to me and say, um, oh, you were on the Dick Burton Show. Yeah, my parents used to listen to you. I go, <laughs> I go thank you very much. Now I'm on Medicare. What happened? So Boy. what do you think? What's the difference? Like, how do you think you would be today if the dick Burton show was today how would it be different today than back then i could tell you quite honestly i'd be skittish (laughs) i'd be nervous because uh we're really on so many levels living in a in an era that you know you know the whole argument with political correctness was started well before any of the the craziness going on in our world today and and i don't say craziness that it's not good stuff going on for change and and reevaluation. Uh, I don't want to imply that. But what I mean is, is that humor, it, it's tougher to be funny. And I give credit to the comedians that go out on that limb still and do what they think is funny. And as Dick Burton always said, funny is funny. Now, we have to be sensitive to the times. We, I, you know, it has been an evolution. I don't care what your form of humor, you do realize there's certain things, eh, you know, you probably, it's not that you, you shouldn't do something that you did 20 years ago. And it's not that you don't do it because it's politically, not politically correct. It's just you realize now I can see where someone was coming from. On the other hand, there's still plenty of material and sarcasm and innuendo that a lot of people in this cancel culture that we have are being very frightened off of doing real, raw, funny humor. It doesn't mean it has to be dirty, but it's, you know, it's commentary. I can't think, I, I wouldn't think George Carlin would have a, would go nuts today. He, I don't think he would hold back at all, or a Lenny Bruce. So what I'm saying is it's tougher today. You you walk a fine line wondering what the reaction is going to be. You, we were just getting so many apologies from so many comedians about what they did 20 years ago. Some who do need to apologize, but some uh, not so sure. What's the best advice you ever got? My mom, she said, take a jacket. You can always sit on it. My mom said the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's a Jewish thing. Yeah. It's called... <laughs> It's supposed to be chilly. Take a jacket. Doesn't mean you have to wear it. You can always sit on it. That and wash off your fruit, which is my mom would, would be thrilled today with everybody washing off their fruit. But the best advice comedically, you know, I think what Dick said to me is funny is funny. 
shorter is better. You know, what did Shakespeare say? I don't, I, I can't quote Shakespeare intelligently, but brevity is the something of whatever. You know that. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, brevity, about. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, 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 blah. And I think also, it's not so much advice, it's my own personal advice is that I'm, I'm not going to be dirty for the sake of being dirty. I'm going to stick to clean, suge- sometimes suggestive, sometimes innuendo, and try to not be mean spirited. And I, sh- I take that back. Don't be mean spirited. I've had people say to me they like what I do because it's, it can be edgy, but it's not mean. Some people can pull off mean. I think Joan Rivers, Don Rickles, who I had a blast with John Don Rickles personally, those folks could get away with it. And I really wonder what they could do today. Can you imagine Don Rickles and Joan Rivers trying to do what they do today? An interesting thought. I agree. All right. Well, thank you, Big Al. I think leaving on those words of wisdom is a good way to wrap up this episode with you. I appreciate you stopping by. You got a website? You got a Facebook fan page, I know? Yeah, they're embarrassingly inadequate. You can attempt to go to laughwithbigal.com and see a bunch of my old humor that I did and interviews with celebrities if they still play properly, but the technology is probably outdated, and I, I do need to get that up to speed. How am I sounding so far? Uh, you can go to my official Big Al Muscovito fan page. I do place some career-oriented things on there from time to time. All right. We'll say thank you very much, Big Al, for joining us. Appreciate it, and we'll see you next time. Well, that was fun. I hope you enjoyed that. Big Al, true Detroit legend, radio legend, not just Detroit. Dick Burton and Burton's people. And American classic. All right. Well, I thought it would be fun in the hashtag roundup segment. Hashtag roundup. Playing hashtag games on Twitter. Join in the fun. Check out at hashtag roundup. Download the app. But I figured as a tie-in to me winning that radio contest, I dug around Twitter and found hashtag weird radio contest. If you got an idea of a weird radio contest, let us know. On my Twitter page, at Jeff Dwoskin Show. Love to hear it. But here's a few. Here's a few from Judith. <laughs> a weird radio contest. Name five songs by train and win a T-shirt from Amtrak. <laughs> That's one I won't be winning. I can't even name one song. Oh, here's a good one from Dave. Enter to win a trip to Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. Ten. Caller wins nothing. You get nothing. Good day, sir. <laughs> All right. All right, Christine. Googly. If you don't call, you'll be forced to attend a Justin Bieber contest and sit in a section of just 14-year-old girls. <laughs> Oh, that actually happened to me once. Oh, man. Here's a good one from View from my office, Twitter user. Catch a turkey that we are dropping out of the helicopter, and it's yours. A little throwback to WKRP in Cincinnati. Well, that wraps up the show. Thank you. This has been Episode 9 of the Jeff Duoskin Show. Subscribe, like, tell your friends all about us. We can't wait to see you on the next one. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Jeff Dwoskin Show with your host, Jeff Dwoskin. Now go repeat everything you heard and sound like a genius. Catch us online at thejeffdwoskinshow.com or follow us on Twitter at Jeff Dwoskin Show. And we'll see you next time.